the War from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Usually, every weekend, we bring you an hour of variety and music. Uh, We're going to do it this weekend, but in this particular case, um, we're going to bring you the whole hour today, so no program tomorrow. I couldn't quite find a uh, another program that would pair well with today's one-hour program, so we'll have our first uh, day without a show since December 5th. Today's program is the Lux Radio Theater performance of This Is the Army, uh, Irving Berlin's great World War II uh, patriotic uh, musical. This was later made into a film uh, with Ronald Reagan. Kind of a not uh, all that great framing story that was just kind of okay. But this is the music and the fun and the spirit and the fervor and the patriotism which made This is the Army such a success from coast to coast. And here the Lux Radio Theater brings it to us. There is uh, most of the actors are members of the service and somewhat obscure outside of Irving Berlin. Uh, There is one uh, person I'll call your attention to who, uh, while he is a soldier at this point, was also a veteran of radio, and that was Ezra Stone. Ezra Stone was the voice of uh, Henry Aldrich. He wasn't in the episode we played from 1943 because he left the show in 1942 for military service and then he actually picked up the role of Henry Aldrich after uh, the war. He began playing Henry Aldrich in 1939 when he was 22 and he last played the role uh, in 1952 when he was 35 years old of this awkward 16-year-old boy. And here that Aldrich voice is uh, used to uh, some great effect. But now, from February the 22nd of 1943, here is the Lux Radio Theater presentation of This is the Army. Lux presents This is the Army. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Irving Berlin's This is the Army with a cast of more than 200 soldiers. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Each Monday evening since the war began, we've invited men from the armed services to witness our programs here in the Lux Radio Theater. But tonight, the situation is reversed. We've invited the stars to come and meet the army. For tonight, the United States Army is on the bright side of the footlights. Over 200 strong, tall and straight young men of healthy bodies and healthy minds who can swing a song or a machine gun with equal ease. Yes, this is the Army, and this is their show. The makers of Lux Flakes and Lux Toilet Soap join all of us here in welcoming our guests. Many of your sons and daughters, and many of ours, are now in the armed services. To them and to you, we send this hour of entertainment by the boys on the stage and the boys in the orchestra who take part in This is the Army. (laughs) 
With these boys is an old friend of mine, an ex-sergeant from the last war, who, after 25 years, is still in there doing more than his bit. This is the army as his brainchild. Born in the army camps, grown to maturity on Broadway, and now striding like a giant across the breadth of the land. When this war is over and the victory won, there will be a special place in the hearts of all America for the men who have helped to win it, for the Army and the Navy and the Marine Corps, and for men like Mr. Irving Berlin. Thank you, thank you, Cecil. It's been a wonderful privilege to work with these boys and to get to know them. They're a fine bunch, and they're doing a swell job. And now, if you'll just give us the go-ahead, Cecil, we'll start shooting. Wait a minute, Irving. I'm not throwing cues here tonight. I'm going to join the audience as a spectator and a listener. Our stage belongs to you and the boys. Well, that's fine, Cecil. Speaking for the boys, I'm pretty sure they won't let you down. The Army never does. It seems to me, Irving, that I remember another fine bunch back in 1917. And another soldier show that you did called Yip Yip Yap Hank. That's right, Cecil. The uniforms changed, the songs are different, but it's still the same Army and the same fighting spirit. And they look pretty competent as they marched in the stage door today. You bet. They're soldiers, Cecil. Make no mistake about that. They rehearsed and played this show at night and they've drilled every day from New York to California. But they've learned something more than any army routine and show business, something pretty priceless, which I think is best expressed by what one of our corporals said to me the other night after the show. He said, you know, traveling with this show, I've seen our country for the first time. I've met our president, I've been in big towns and little towns, and I've met the people, big and little, who are this country. And now... He said, now I know what we're fighting for. Well, Cecil, I guess we can turn these fighting men loose now. Get right up on the firing step, Irving. Thank you. Mr. DeMille, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Army. Come 
Find your selectees. Snap it up and the wall be over before you finish your physical. Get out of line, man. How do you like that? More physical. They're going to listen to my stomach again. Hey, Sergeant, can I go telephone Get my Get out of line and quiet. Quiet! Sergeant, can I ask a question? What is it? Well, for three days now, we've been getting inducted. Standing on a line here, standing on a line there. Well, what of it? Sergeant, can I put my pants on now? <laughs> no. But I haven't had them on since Tuesday. I'm chilly. You're never chilly around here. You're never cold and you're never hot. And you're never tired. You've been selected, see? You guys are in the arms. We all have been selected from city and from farm. They asked us lots of questions. They jabbed us in the arm. We stood there at attention, our faces turning red. The sergeant looked us over, and this is what he said. This is the army, Mr. Jones. No private rooms or telephones. You had your breakfast in bed before, but you won't have it there anymore. This is the army, Mr. Green. We like the barracks nice and clean. You had a housemaid to clean your floor, but she won't help you out anymore. Do what the bugler's command They're in the army and not in a man This is the army, Mr. Brown You and your baby went to town She had you worried, but this is war And she won't worry you anymore stuff we're doing. You know, Burrell? Sure. They call it skirmishing. And I guess we'll do plenty before the day's over. Yeah? Hey, you seem kind of happy about it, too. I suppose you enjoy wearing yourself down to a mere shadow. Well, there's a good reason for it. Oh, ambitious, huh? You want to be a corporal. No. It's just that, well, getting good and tired, it has its points, you know. Sometimes I really want to get tired. You want to get... Oh, sure. Sure, Jimmy. Well, so long, Burrell. See you around the infirmary. <laughs> you don't get it. 
I don't even want it. Sergeant Alan Manson, Sergeant of the New Guard reporting. Your orders are to take charge of this post and all government property in view. Old Guard, relieve. Sergeant Dick Verney, front and center. Right here, right here. Well, here I am. Ooh. What's the matter? Look at all the civilians. <laughs> Never mind that. What Tell a me, novelty Dick. nowadays. <laughs> Tell me, Dick, how do you like the Army? Huh? I say, how do you like the Army? It's a military secret. <clears throat> well, what's the matter with the Army? Well, it's a little too feminine. Feminine? Certainly, with all those women auxiliaries. <laughs> like the AWVS, the Red Cross, the Father Duffy Canteen, the Spas, the Waves, the Wags, the Woos, the Wow-Wows, the... <laughs> oh, and not forgetting the WAACs. Well, that's fine. That shows the women are really patriotic. Maybe so. But when I come home from camp on a three-day pass after slaving all week over a hot gun, <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> I got a box of flowers on the one arm, a box of candy on the other arm. I run down the street like an idiot, ignoring all the lights. I run into my hotel, the front way... 
And I run up the elevator, I knock on the bell, ring the door, the door opens, and there stands my beautiful wife. I look at her, and she looks at me. I look at her, and she looks at me. Why don't you kiss her? I can't. She's a first lieutenant. <laughs> oh, she's a... She's a whack. Yeah, what? I said she's a whack. That's beside the point. <laughs> hey, you know, the worst part of it is I got to get permission from the top sergeant to even talk to her. Well, what's tough about that? The top sergeant's my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get even. I'm going to take him out on a rifle range and show him how to use a rifle. You're going to show your wife how to shoot a rifle? My mother-in-law, too. <clears throat> Same bullet. Well, you have to be a marksman for that. Really? You see this medal? I was admiring it. That's being one of the best marksmen in the country. Oh, come now. What makes you think you're one of the best marksmen in the country? Well, I'll give you an instance. I like to hear an instance. The other day I went hunting in the woods. There in front of me I saw a big, beautiful tree. Seated on one limb of the tree were 14 birds. 14 birds? I looked at my rifle. I had only one bullet. Really? My, oh, my. Now, my objective was to get the 14 birds of the one bullet. Ah, oh, that can't be done. I did it. How? I took my rifle, aimed, fired. The bullet split the limb. The 14 birds got their feet caught in the limb. I walked over, sawed off the limb, put it across my shoulder, walked home with the 14 birds, and it wasn't a good day for hunting that day either. What do you got to say to that? Mr. Anthony, <laughs> you're not a hunter, you're a cockeyed liar. <laughs> you want to hear some real shooting? Yes. Well, spread out, make it look like a regiment. <laughs> Now, last week I was out in the woods hunting. There in front of me I saw a big, beautiful deer. I picked up my rifle ready and fire when I heard noise on my right. What do you think it was? What? 500 wild ducks. I didn't want the deer, I wanted those ducks. I picked up my rifle ready and fire when I heard noise on my left. What do you think it was? What? 500 wild geese. I didn't want the deer, I didn't want the ducks, I wanted those geese. I picked up my rifle ready and fire when a snake about five feet long jumped right up in front of me. Boy, I changed my plans completely. I don't want the deer, I don't want the ducks, I don't want the geese, I want that snake. I picked up my rifle, aim, fired. The barrel split in two. One barrel went to the right, killed the 500 ducks. One barrel went to the left, killed the 500 geese. The bullet went straight ahead, shot the deer. The ramrod of the gun went down the snake's throat, choked him to death. The rebound of the gun hit me in the shoulder. I fell over the river, come up my boots full of fish. I stooped over to take a fish out of my boot. <laughs> and what do you think happened? What? <laughs> a button snapped off my pants and killed a rabbit. And it wasn't a good day for hunting that day either. <laughs> Corporal Ralph Markelson, front and center. Yes, Sergeant. Special order from the War Department. You're hereby ordered to sing without further delay a song from the Army show of the last war, Yip Yip Yap Hank. Sign the General. P.S. Make this song, Mandy, will you, fella? I was strolling out one evening by the silvery moon. I could hear somebody singing a familiar tune. So I stopped a while to listen, not a word I wanted to miss. It was just somebody serenading, something like this, Let the wedding chimes bring happy 
Is he sharp? I'm asking him, is he sharp? Yes, he Cast is. Cast your eye on that fly tie. It's all right. Yes, sir. Where is he, man? Where is he? Right over there. Is he wearing one of them new zoot suits, you know, with the reed pleat and the drape shape? Drape shape? That ain't no style for Lennox Avenue no more, man. What? Do you mean the zoot suit is dead? And no more? Yeah. Are you hearing me talking? The stuff cup has came and went. You mean no more reed pleats? And no more glad plaid. And no more creek creek. And no more pressed vest. And you mean no more ripe stripes? Why, certainly there's ripe stripes, man. Well, two for a couple and three for a sergeant. There's a change in fashion that shows in those Lenox Avenue clothes. Mr. Dude has disappeared with his flashy tie. You'll see in the Harlem Esquire what the world just meant with his eye. Where to keep strutting down the street with his pretty pie. Rub, 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 rub. Sun, tan, shade of cream, or an olive drab color scheme. That's what the world just meant in Harlem. Well, well, just up in O.D.'s. With a tin hat for overseas That's what the world Think in Hollowell Well Top hat White tie and tail No more They've been put away Till after the war If you want to know Take a look at Brown Bomber Joe That's what the world Think in Hollowell Well Sergeant Phil Truex, Sergeant of the New Guard, reporting. Your orders are to take charge of this post and all government property in view. Old Guard, relieved. At this post, Private Julie Oceans. Hello, Sergeant. <laughs> On my way to camp, the funniest thing happened. Hey, I... hey, quiet. I was standing, I walked past the guard, and what do you think happened? Quiet. I... There's no talking until the rest of the guard is assembled. At this post, Master Sergeant Ezra Stone. Ezra! Ezra Stone! Coming, Sergeant. <laughs> well, Phil, how are you? Just fine, Ezra. It's swell having you with us. Why, it's sure good to see you, Phil. Hey, whose coat are you wearing? Oh, hello, Private Ocean. What do you mean, whose coat am I wearing? It's mine. <laughs> mine and my Uncle Sam's. It looks like it would fit your Uncle Sam better. Y all those stripes, are you really a master sergeant? Yeah, I just made it a couple of months ago. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> master sergeant. He's a round one, isn't he? <laughs> Say, Phil, is, is that private allowed to talk that way about me? Why, certainly not. <laughs> That's what I thought. 
No, sir. I'll take care of him. Private Oceans, attention. I'm listening. Assume the attitude of attention, Private. Look, Truex, this is my attitude. If you don't like it, do me something. Go ahead, break me. Well, come on, make me a civilian. There you are. You see, Ezra, that's what happens when a non-commissioned officer condescends to hobnob with a low-down private like that Ocean's. Why, Ezra, between you and I... Uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't say between you and I that's incorrect English. That's the time I caught you with your stripes down. You're such an illiterate. You've got to say between you and me because after the preposition, you must use the objective case. Except when you got a degenerate noun. Why, why, you private sergeant, private sergeant, buck, private. Well, somebody's got to fight. Private Oceans, you're in the presence of non-commissioned officers. You're superior officers. And you're going to show a little respect. How long can he be a boy? Look here, Oceans, I'm a pretty even-tempered sort of a guy, but I resent your implications that I know nothing about soldiering. Ezra, just for fun, what do you say we put him through the manual of arms? Oh, manual of arms. That's easy. Oh, yeah? All right, Phil. Relieve your guard of his rifle. Go ahead. Oh, wait a minute. I never did it with a gun. You can get hurt that way. <laughs> Let me have your rifle, guard. Here, Oceans, take that rifle. Okay. Hey, it's heavy, ain't it? All right, Oceans, what's that you've got in your hand? This is a long pistol. Anybody knows this is a gun? A gun that's a rifle, a Springfield rifle. Now, in military terms, describe that weapon. This is a Springfield rifle. It comes from Springfield. <laughs> Springfield has a population of 7,430... Give me that rifle. This is the United States Army rifle, model 193, caliber 30. It is an air-cooled, bolt-operated, clip-fed shoulder weapon. It has a muzzle velocity of 2,700 feet per second and is deadly within a range of 2 and 9 tenths miles. The Army's made a man out of me. A man out of me. A man out of me. My mother and my father agree. The Army has made me a man. I used to sleep with brother, but now I sleep alone. I used to be a tenor, but now I'm a baritone. My girl said when she sat on my knee, the army has made me a man. To look at me, you wouldn't think that I was once a skinny gink. The doctors thought I never would last. And I was always taking pills. I thought I had so many ills, but that is all a thing of the past. But now I sleep alone. I used to be a tenor, but now I'm a baritone. The army has made me a man. My mind was all confusion, but now my mind is cleared. My face was like a baby's, but now I can raise a beard and I can drink a strong cup of tea. The army, the army.
For station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Yes, this is the Army. You've heard about the Army and Mr. Jones. But before the second act of our show, let's take a little time out to consider Mrs. Jones. She's on active service, too, these days on the home front, right in her own home. Now, it's 8.15 in the Jones household any weekday morning. Junior? Junior, come down here. Oh, honestly, you'd be late to school every day if I didn't keep after you. 
Now, march along there. Yes, that's Top Sergeant Jones speaking. Mrs. Jones to you. And button up your jacket. Do you want to look like a tramp? Military policeman Jones now. <laughs> then, a little later in the morning, we have Quartermaster Jones taking care of the supply department. Found the potatoes and a loaf of bread, a dozen oranges. I guess that's all today, thank you. And let me have a change in war stamps, please. <laughs> Now, Communications Officer Jones takes over. Mary? Say, I just got a letter from Bill. He's getting a furlough. Probably next week. Isn't that wonderful? Go away somewhere. Oh, no, no, I couldn't do that with the children to take care of and all. Yes, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. America, is enlisted for the duration, and there aren't any furloughs on the home front. She's pretty modest about what she's doing, but Uncle Sam can depend on her to help in every way she can. One of her important jobs is that of conservation, which only she can do. She's saving, sharing, and doing without so that Mr. Jones can have the things he needs. Now, it's here that Lux can help in the job of conservation, and that's why we've worked to make Lux the very best and safest care for washables that we possibly can. It's helping Mrs. Jones to save the fabrics that are so much more precious now because they're needed for so many purposes in war. Now, Mr. DeMille. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've been enjoying this as much as I have. The Army has taken over the Lux Radio Theater tonight, just as the Army is taking over in other theaters throughout the world, theaters of war. With over 200 boys here on our stage... I imagine that there are mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, wives and sweethearts from every state in the Union listening in tonight and hoping to pick out the one voice they hold dear. Well, we hope you can pick out that voice. But if you can't, and you're wondering how the boys are looking and how they are, let me tell you that they're 100%, every one of them, and raring to go as the curtain rises on the second act of Irving Berlin's This is the Army. I think. I just want to say a few words about the stage door canteen. We've all been kindly invited here tonight, and we got to forget we were once civilians and act like gentlemen. <laughs> now, about the hostesses here, about the hostesses, I want you to remember one thing. The stage door canteen has its rules. The Army has its rules, too, only they're not as strict. <laughs> and... And another thing, fellas, you're all allowed to dance with the hostesses. Yeah, but but when when the music stops, you gotta stop too. I mean, just dance with them. And remember, you're not allowed to make any outside dates with these hostesses, even if you've known them all your life. Also, I think you ought to know something about the people who run the canteen. I mean, the people who get the food and cook it and serve it and 
even clean up afterwards. That's not their regular jobs. They're actors. They don't have regular jobs. That's all. Welcome to the stage door canteen, boys. Tell me, are you the head of all these men, Colonel? Colonel? Don't my pants match? No, I'm... I'm a sergeant, ma'am. Well, if there's any hostess in particular you'd like to dance with, why, you just tell me. Well, thanks a lot, but I... I don't dance. You don't? Why not? Well, I... I get very embarrassed whenever I'm with girls. You see, it's all due to my upbringing. My parents were very strict with me when I was a kid. They didn't let me run around much. You, um... You led a very sheltered life. Yeah. I went to one of those private progressive schools. Everybody progressed but me. <laughs> and then I got to... And then I got to that awkward age. You know, where you look kind of funny and you sound kind of funny and girls won't have anything to do with you. And... Uh, when is that? Well, it, uh, it starts when you're around 12. Mm. And when is it over? I don't know, but I hope soon. <laughs> well, have a good time, Sergeant. Have a good time, everyone. Thank you. Well, 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 this is a magnificent place, you know. That ain't news, McCall. Look at those girls. Yes, but besides that, who do you suppose just handed me a donut? Charles Boye. Oh, Charles Boye? You mean the movie star? Well, what did he say to you, McCall? Well, he said, uh, Hello, soldier. How about a donut, eh? Go on. Don't be bashful. They're fresh from the Casbah. I bring them down myself. Up there, I'm called Pepe Lumoko, the king of the Casbah. Down here, I am Charles, the king of the donut. Go ahead, take two. Boy, aren't you see anybody else, huh? I did. I went back in the kitchen. And how'd I... you get in the kitchen? Well, I asked somebody how to get someplace, and I got in the wrong door. <clears throat> well, go on. Who did you see? Well, standing by the stove was a fellow in an apron. It was Herbert Marshall. <clears throat> We started talking, and we got on the subject of hamburgers. I asked him what his personal opinion of hamburgers was, and he said, Thank you very much. Many people ask my opinion of hamburgers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's more than an opinion, it's an adoration. But hamburgers throw themselves away in this frantic desperation to do something. And in the end, does anyone love hamburgers? Do they love anyone? No. But do I love them? Why, you silly little things. Of course I love them. What a question. All right, fellas. Now spread out a little. Break it up, McDonald's. Break it up. Break it up. Eileen. Eileen. Oh, hello, Sergeant Oxford. <laughs> well, I'm here again. Yes, so I see. And, uh... Can you sit down a while? Gee, I'd like to, really. But, well, you know the rules. You're not allowed to spend too much time with any one person. You mean you don't want to sit down a little while? Oh, don't say that. Please don't say that. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. You've been swell to me, Eileen. No, I... I haven't. You know, it's funny. Two nights ago, I'd never even seen you. And then last night, I felt I'd known you all my life. Did you? 
Well, what's it going to be like tomorrow night? I don't know. I won't be here. Oh. You mean your leave is up? Yep. I'm sorry, Earl. So am I. Look, can you get out of here for a few minutes? No, I can't. Oh, please. I just want to sit and talk for a while. We could go for a bus ride or anything. Okay. Please, I've got so much to say to you. Oh, gee, I want to, honestly. Well, then come on. I leave. Yes, in a minute. See? write to you, Eileen. Oh, yes. Please write to me. Sure. Well, so long, Eileen. So long, soldier. Old Mr. Absent-minded, that's me. Just as forgetful as I can be. Got the strangest sort of a mind. I'm always leaving something behind. I left my heart at the stage door and I left it there with a girl named I. I kept her standing all night Till all she had was gone I sat there dunking donuts Till she caught on I must go back to the army routine And every doughboy knows what that The stage for 
Now we go back 25 years to the time of the last war and the last army show. The cast, soldiers from the original company of Yip Yip Yapank. The scene, the parade ground at Camp Upton on Long Island. The time... Shut up! Shut up! Adam! Here. Alex! O'Neill! Gillen! Riano! McDonald! Burns! Herman! Butcher! Berlin! Berlin! Where is that guy? Oh, Sergeant Murphy! Irving said he was tired and could the army get along without him today. Oh, he did, did he? Corporal Spencer, take over. I'll show that Berlin guy. I'll drag him out by the seat of his pants. Oh, Private Berlin. Come on now, sleepyhead. Come on. Open up your little eyes. Get out of that bed. <laughs> I've been a soldier quite a while, and I would like to stay. The life is simply wonderful. The army food is great. I sleep with 97 others in the wooden hut. I love them all, they all love me, it's very lovely, but Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning Oh, how I'd love to remain in bed For the hardest blow of all is to hear the bugle call You gotta get up, you gotta get up, you gotta get up this morning Someday I'm going to murder the bugle Someday they're going to find him dead I'll amputate his reveille And step upon it heavily And spend the rest of my life in bed Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning Oh, how I don't remain in bed The guy who wakes the bugler up and spends the rest of my life in bed. Just a minute, Irving, just a minute. You're not through yet. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Berlin told me the other day that he was going to write a new song especially for tonight's performance. And he's been as good as his word. Irving, I wish you'd tell our audience the story behind this song. All right, Cecil. Some of us were sitting around talking the other night about Mr. Goebbels' latest speech, which was broadcast in Germany the day before. I began to wonder what the German people's reaction to his whining must be, and it gave me an idea for a song. Well, when ready, Irving. Shoot. <coughs> Goebbels is on the air today. Let's tune in and get Berlin and hear what he has to say. When the Russians push us back, we don't like it. 
In the winter they attack, we don't like it. When they call this ruthless murderers, we didn't make a fuss. But now they're invading, they can't do that to us. Casablanca's full of Yanks, we don't like it. They've got ships and planes and tanks, we don't like it. While we're winning as we should, Hitler speaks and that's as good. But when Hitler don't make speeches, we don't like it. When the RAF begin, we don't like it. When they fly above Berlin, we don't like it. When they showered us with paper, why we didn't make a fuss. But bombs with explosives, they can't do that to us. Every cupboard here is bare, we don't like it. And we've got no clothes to wear, we don't like it. Herman Gehring had to speak in the same suit twice last week. And when Gehring can't change costumes, we don't like it. When the German troops retreat, we don't like it. When the Allied nations meet, we don't like it. When they made us look like Donald Ducks, we didn't make a fuss. But bombs with explosives, in Japan our hands are tied. We don't like it. Mussolini's on our side. We don't like it. And we cannot come to terms with the French, the dirty worms. For it seems the worms are turning. We don't like it. Dismiss the men, but keep them in camp. No leaves. Inform all officers and men to be ready on three hours' notice. Are we moving out, sir? Officers and men, three hours' notice. Yes, sir. United States Army routes champs at New Guinea. American forces made a landing today at points along the northwest coast of Africa. Yanks bomb Germany. Yanks drive Japs from Guadalcanal. Once again, the youth of America has left its native shores to fight against tyranny overseas. Once again, the U.S. Army has launched a battle against the same forces of hate and oppression which menaced our civilization a quarter of a century ago. In Africa they stand, in England, in Greenland, in Australia, in China, and on the islands of the Pacific. The fighting men of America. And this time they'll stay until the job is done. Until the smoke of the last battle is cleared away. And the war and the peace have been won forever.
And the United States Army has a job to do. It's done right. And that's increasingly evident all over the world today. To the 200 and more boys who are contributing to this evening's performance, I'd like to express the thanks of the millions in our audience and the thanks of Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap and Lux Flakes. Many hundreds of their employees who have taken a leave of absence to fight for their country can say tonight, this is our army, too. And they know there's a place waiting for them when the day of fighting is over. And right now, we have a place at this microphone for Irving Berlin. Thank you, Cecil. You remember I asked you whether it would be possible to talk to Washington tonight, and you promised to arrange it? The line is ready when you are, Irving. I'll ask our engineer to set it up now. Ray, line to Washington, please. I'd like to speak to Major General Irving J. Phillipson. He's the head of Army Emergency Relief. Ready with General Phillipson in Washington, Mr. Berlin. General Phillipson, this is Irving Berlin. I'm talking to you from the stage of the Lux Radio Theater in Hollywood, and I'd like to give you a brief report on This is the Army. The show opened in New York July 4th and closed in San Francisco a week ago. Before we left New York, we gave Army Emergency Relief a check for $500,000. In Boston, we turned over another $500,000. Our next payment to you will bring the total earnings of This is the Army to date to a million... $951,000. There is still some to come which hasn't reached us yet, and this also includes the generous payment for tonight's broadcast. This week we start making the motion picture, and as you know, the Warner Brothers have agreed to turn over all the profits of the picture to Army Emergency Relief, and a very conservative estimate is that we will get anywhere from three to five million dollars more. But I have more than dollars and cents to report, General. All the way across the country, we have given free performances to thousands of our armed forces at special matinees and base hospitals and camps. For instance, last week in San Francisco, we played five naval hospitals and the Navy gave us an E-Award pennant with a star. <laughs> Sir, we are very proud of this record. Thank you, Mr. DeMille, and thank you, Irving. No word of mine can adequately express the admiration and heartfelt gratitude I feel toward Mr. Berlin and the sterling group of soldiers who make up the cast of This is the Army. And as for you, Irving Berlin, I want to thank you in the name of the Army for your contribution of over a year of your time, your talent, your songs, and even paying your own expenses to further the cause of Army Emergency Relief. We can all be proud of this record. The money has been collected for a great cause and is being spent for great good. Aside from the inspiration and financial support, which have come to Army Emergency Relief through the matchless genius and unselfish efforts of Mr. Berlin, above and beyond even that, I feel that This is the Army has provided a spiritual uplift with gaiety and melody to our home front and drawn the attention of millions to the function and needs of Army Emergency Relief. 
The show has demonstrated once again the amazing talent available only in the Army of the United States of today. I like to think that the thousands and thousands of people who have seen This is the Army left the theater not only humming snatches of I left my heart at the stage door canteen, I'm getting tired so I can sleep, you're in the Army, Mr. Jones, and others equally tuneful, but convinced that we now have an army that can well afford to take time out, assemble a group of fighting men for a relatively short period, and have them bring to the heart of America the spirit and temple in which his army carries on. And now in closing, men and women of the army and members of this great radio audience, a tribute to the most generous of friends, I give you Irving Berlin, a great American. Thank you, sir. And now, Cecil, our job is done. Good night, and thank you for the reception you've given us here. Good night, Irving. Good night. You've made history with This is the Army. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, the Lux Radio Theater presents the Columbia screenplay, The Lady is Willing. And our stars are George Brent and Kay Francis. As most of you know, Kay Francis has just come back from North Africa, where she brought a little glamour to the front lines. This is her first appearance as an actress since her return. But we'll also hear about some of her North African adventures, too, when Kay co-stars with George Brent here next Monday night. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Flakes and Lux Toilet Soap, Join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents George Brent and Kay Francis in The Lady is Willing. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Do you feel like this every morning? Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning. If you're tired, uh-huh. low in resistance, oh. vitamin deficient, <laughs> try tasty Vim tablets. Vim supply all the essential vitamins and minerals. Get that Vim's feeling. <laughs> Remember, VI for vitamins, double MS for minerals. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Some magnificent songs. I Left My Heart at the Stage uh, Door Canteen was surprisingly moving. And there were just a lot of uh, fun songs in there, including uh, Mr. Berlin himself doing Oh, How I Hate to Get Up in the Morning. You also uh, begin to hear a little bit of the uh, redemption of uh, World War I. Uh, you know, as we were playing at the origin at the beginning of the war, uh, prior to World War II, a lot of people were kind of um, ambivalent about a role in the war or thought that it was a mistake. Here, are the efforts made to tie the two together, and it would become even more explicit in the movie as they would talk about uh, finishing the job 
that the uh, World War I generation left behind. And I also love that um, commercial, I believe halfway through, uh, just really a wonderful tribute to what women who stayed at home and even tried to manage the house, what their life was like. And as they said, there was no furlough. And um, just uh, an you know, one of the best Golden Age radio advertisements I heard because it's so connected with the life uh, of the listeners. And it was more about the listeners than it was about locks. And I, I think that that makes for a great and memorable ad. All right, well, folks, um, no show tomorrow, but we, but I think this is, um, this more than makes up for no Sunday show. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of The War. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. The opening theme is sung by Ken Curlin, kencurlin.com. This program is a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, kencurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This... Uh, Series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.